And as our kids are heading out to their classes, um, learning about Jesus and encountering God there, um, I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming today. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here at Ignite, and we are delighted that you could be with us this morning as we sing praises to Jesus, as we pray to Jesus, as we open God's word and read about Jesus, as we become transformed by Jesus. You're picking up on a pattern here. It is about Jesus, and we're really excited uh, that you could be here as we get to meet him and know him uh, better today. Um, before I dive into the message, a couple of things. Uh, number one, this uh, it's either an afternoon or an evening, 4.30, so I don't know which one, in winter it's evening, right? But I don't know, afternoon-ish, late afternoon, somewhere around there. At 4.30 today, uh, we're going to be having our annual meeting. Um, so I want to invite you out uh, to that. It's going to be at Calvary at Village Green, so it's just down the road this way. Uh, Calvary Church has uh, opened their doors to us, and we're really excited uh, to share about all that God did in 2019. And there was a lot of stuff that God did in 2019. It's incredible. And we look ahead to 2020, and we are very, very excited about we, what we believe God is calling us to be as a church um, this coming year. And so I want to invite you uh, to be a part of that. Also, um, if you find yourself uh, today in, in a spot of, let's say, transition, okay? So maybe maybe you're, you went from, I didn't believe in Jesus, to now I believe in Jesus. If you went from, uh, I'm not married, to I'm thinking about marriage. If you're, if you're thinking like, uh, we don't have kids, who so we're going to have kids. All these different transition uh, periods in life. What we have to help you through those transitions is our foundation classes. And uh, there, there's wonderful opportunities with godly people to come and teach you in the areas of faith, family, and finances. If you're interested in signing up for one of those classes, you can head out to the welcome table um, today. You can learn all about uh, what Ignite uh, will be doing this, this uh, we call it spring semester. So um, we are going to dive back in into our sermon series in the book of Matthew. Uh, chapters 8 through 9 is where we're focusing. We're going to make our way through the whole book of Matthew eventually uh, with some breaks. But, but the beautiful thing about Matthew is it's broken up into chunks. And so we're, we're really focusing on uh, Matthew 8 and 9. And we're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And that when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom with us. And what's great is, is that the kingdom of heaven came to all people without distinction. It didn't matter your race or ethnicity. It didn't matter your gender. It didn't matter your socioeconomic status. It didn't matter about anything. The, 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 the beautiful thing is that, is that the kingdom of heaven came to everyone. And that, and that we can be recipients of the kingdom of heaven. We humble ourselves and come to Jesus. And so that's what we've been talking um, about and how Jesus addresses sickness and being an outcast and all these different things that we've seen so far. And today we're going to see about how the kingdom of heaven and how Jesus himself addresses fear. How, how, what happens when we're afraid, okay? There's, there's many studies on being afraid. There's actually websites devoted to fear. I don't know if you knew that or not, um, uh, but uh, cursory uh, Google search will give you uh, maybe something like fearof.net, which is where I was this week as we were looking at fears. And they were talking about top fears of Americans. Now, this was what was surprising to me, of, of phobias. Um, top fears, uh, speaking in public, wasn't in the top five, which was interesting. When people, you know, I think we've kind of addressed that fear over the years and started to like calm that down a little bit. It's still there, but it's not as high as it used to be. Um, but they're talking about the top uh, phobias, and here, here are some of the top phobias. Spiders, snakes, um, heights. 
That's me. I'm afraid of heights. I believe God built me low to the ground because he was gracious to me. Um, wide open or crowded spaces. Um, so you don't listen to the Dixie Chicks, um, but uh, uh, some of you got that joke. Um, dogs, a thunder and lightning, um, small spaces, germs, flying, and my personal favorite, holes. Um, there is a massive amount of people in America that are afraid of holes. Um, that I don't know if they don't know like what's in them or what's at the bottom. Someone's going to come out of them. I don't know. But some people are really, really freaked out about holes. They didn't even watch the movie Holes because it's got holes in it. Like some people are really, really scared of holes, and that's really um, uh, kind of fascinating to me. Um, some of the some of the honorable mentions. Uh, public speaking was in there. Needles. Um, the dentist. Sometimes those two go hand in hand, right? Um, loneliness. Death. Um, people. And so some of you are afraid of people. So if you're here today and you have like a, a, an overall aversion and a fear of people and you're here today, kudos to you because there's a lot of people in this room. We want to applaud you for your courage of coming up. You're fearful of people to go into a large group of people. Okay. So there's, there's all these different kinds of fears and phobias. Also Chapman University every year does uh, top 10 fears, things that you're scared of, not necessarily phobias, but what's going on that you're, uh, what, what, what's causing you to stay up at night. Okay. And in 2018, the studies revealed that one of the number one fears that people, Americans have has a lot to do with pollution. Um, that people stay up at night and worry about the condition of our oceans or different kinds of things. And so pollution is a big thing. Uh, government um, is another, uh, corruption especially, but just um, things like that that are scared of. High medical bills is something that's keeping us up at night as Americans. Uh, loved ones dying or the fear of one's loved ones dying. And um, illnesses. Okay, so afraid of getting sick. And so here's what I'm going to do because we're going to put all this because all of us have fear. So I'm going to read this list again. And if any of this list causes you to go, huh, or you go, oh, that's me, right? I want you to raise your hand at the end of this, okay? So I'm going to read them again. Spiders, snakes, heights, wide open or crowded spaces, dogs, thunder and lightning, small uh, spaces, germs, flying holes, public speaking, needles, the dentist, loneliness, death, uh, people in general, pollution, corruption, uh, high medical bills, loved ones dying, illness. Anybody on your list? Show of hands. Who's, who's on there? Okay, just look around. Just look, keep your hands up. Come on, because we're all, we're all scared people, right? So, okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're not alone. You're not alone in your fear. Because here's the thing about fears. We all are fearful. We all are fearful. And when you're fearful, you start to live inside your own head. And you start to think about how bad things could get or what the outcomes were, what would be the worst thing possible, right? We just talk about how bad things can get as a culture even. And so fear is this emotion that, that comes from the anticipation of something bad happening or the possibility of something bad happening, right? It doesn't even have to be real. It could be imagined, right? That, that, that the possibility of something unpleasant will occur, and there's also this other kind of fear, this, this, this fear that comes from seeing something so majestic, so amazing, that you actually tremble in its presence. That there's a fear that comes from, that, that causes you to tremble because something is so big, so powerful, so amazing, that you, 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 you can't help but be afraid. And now, what we're going to be talking about today is with fear, and, and, and really this, the proper fear will drive out all other fears. Let me say that again. The proper fear will drive out all other fears. 
Today we're going to be talking about uh, an interaction that Jesus had with his disciples. And at the beginning of the scripture, they're afraid. And at the end of the scripture, they're afraid. Okay? Like, but they're afraid of two different things. It's, it's really amazing to watch how they're afraid of something here, and they're afraid of something totally different by the end of the interaction. And so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 23, and we're going to see some natural fear that these guys had. Verse 23. And when he got into the boat, he being Jesus, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, he being Jesus. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Save us, Lord, we are perishing. In chapters 5 through 9 of Matthew, what we're going to see is that Jesus often is up in the northern part of, of Israel. He's up in a region called Galilee. Okay, that's where he gave his Sermon on the Mount. That's where we started doing some healings. That's some of the things we see. And what we see is that the northern part is in the region of Galilee, and there's the Sea of Galilee in the northern region of Israel. And the Sea of Galilee is big. Okay? Um, it's not the Pond of Galilee. Okay? It is the Sea of Galilee. It is 13 miles long, and it's 8 miles wide. Okay? So it's, it's a decent-sized body of water. Okay? So they're on the Sea of Galilee. They're in a boat. And uh, some of them are uh, some of them are his disciples. Okay, so it's Jesus and his disciples. Now, some of the disciples were fishermen. Okay, that's important to know that, that a good handful of them were fishermen. Um, so these guys were seasoned sailors. This ain't their first rodeo. This ain't their first time on a boat. These guys have been sailing all of their life, and. Most of them are from the region. So it's seasoned sailors on a familiar body of water, okay? That's, that's important to know because here they are in the middle of a storm and they are at a place where they think they're going to die. That's how bad the storm was. As I was studying this text, something really interesting popped out to me, and that is this. Who's the first person who got into the boat? It's Jesus. Jesus got into the boat first and then his disciples. Okay? And here's what's amazing about that. Jesus led them into a storm. So often we think that when we follow Jesus that we're going to avoid storms, that we're going to not have storms, that, that, that stuff won't happen to us, that bad things won't happen. And, and here they are, they're following Jesus, and the path of Jesus is right into the teeth of a nasty, furious storm. Psalm 23 talks about that the good shepherd will lead people through the valley of the shadow of death, not around it. And so often we get to this place where we think that following Jesus means that all storms will go away or nothing bad is going to happen or, or Jesus will take us around that. But the reality is, is sometimes when we follow Jesus, we go right into the storm. And I want to encourage you today because if you're in your own storm of life right now, it might not be because something is wrong. It might not be the wrong thing for you to be in the middle of a storm. And yet we find ourselves there. And so he's in the middle of this storm, 
A, uh, a Galilean fishing boat of this day and age uh, were around 26 feet long. That's a long boat. It's a long boat. Um, it was big enough to carry 13 grown men, right? So there's 13 dudes on this boat, right? Everybody's got some space. Um, and the waves are coming around and they're swamping. There's a, there's a painting that I found that I thought was really amazing. This is by a guy named Ludolf Bakusen. Um, and this is uh, his depiction of the, the, the storm that they, you know, you see like the waves crashing over. Now, a good thing to, for you guys to know is this is not an actual photograph, okay? I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's a painting of something that was, as he imagined the waves, but you could see like the waves in the tempest. And I think that captures beautifully what's being described in the picture because they're, or what's described in the scripture because they're saying, save us, Lord. We think we're gonna die. We are perishing. We are perishing. We're going to be destroyed. These things are unraveling quickly. Now remember, a lot of these dudes season sailors on familiar water. How bad did it have to get for seasoned sailors to go from annoyed, right? It starts raining. You're like, oh, I'm going to get wet, right? Got a wool cloak on. It's the only piece of clothing I own. It's going to take forever to dry out, right? To go from, to go from that, like, oh, it's raining, to um, concerned, to afraid, to terrified. How bad did it get where the disciples were visibly terrified? And I don't know if you've ever been around a group of dudes before, but we don't like to admit fear, okay? We're all going to try to one-up each other and how brave we are. But they're at the place where they don't even care about their own reputation anymore. They think they are going to die. That's how bad it is. It is very, very serious what's happening. And now I'm not a, I'm not a seasoned sailor. But what I am is a seasoned winter driver. And I've driven in many a blizzards, uh, mostly with my trusty 1998 Saturn SL1. That thing was amazing. It was a go-kart. Um, and now in my Toyota Camry, my 07 Camry. These things are beasts in the winter. Um, but I remember driving in a lot of different storms, but there's one in particular where I was very afraid. Um, it was about seven years ago. It was a ground blizzard. And uh, what happened was, is the snow wasn't coming at us. It was actually coming up. Like the, it swirled. Like the, there wasn't that much snow even, but yet the winds had caused it to be so vicious and so furious that I was driving on a road and I couldn't see the end of my hood and the, and the snow was going up. It was weird. And, and what it looked like, it was like driving in the middle of white fire is what it looked like. And my wife and kids were in the car with me, and I'm like, this, I went from, ah, to, I'm, mm-hmm, to, okay, I'm, 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 I'm really concerned, too. I'm afraid. We, we have to, we have to get a to a place where there's shelter. We're not going to make it home. We just need to get to a place where I can get off this road. And it was very, very scary. So you kind of get that idea, right? You know, there's, there's things that are bad, and then there's things that are bad, bad, bad. And these guys are in a place where it's really bad. Waves coming over, it's going to swamp the boat. They think they're going to die. They are afraid. And you would be too, and so would I. It'd be really, it's totally natural for us to be afraid. Jesus, on the other hand, 
Jesus is taking a nap. Jesus is sleeping in this moment. Uh, the book of Mark talks about uh, this a little bit, uh, a little bit with more detail. It says he's in the stern of the boat. He's in the back of the boat on a cushion, it says. And so he's, he's in the back of the boat on a cushion. It's something like that, taking a nap. Jesus is just sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. In fact, actually, Matthew Henry, who's a guy who lived a long time ago, wrote a commentary on the Bible, and, and he points out something really interesting, that this is the only recorded time we have Jesus sleeping. Isn't that amazing? Like, we think about, like, he was up all night, he was hypervigilant. It's not that he never sleep, but this is the only record we have of him being asleep. And the time that he's asleep is when everybody is panicking and thinking they're going to die. Let's be honest, because if you're scared, we've been scared before, right? If you're scared, the first thing that you get robbed of is sleep, right? No one says, I'm so afraid, I'm just going to take a nap, right? Good luck, right? You know what I need? I just need a nap, because you're going to lay on the ground in your, your bed, your eyes wide open, you're like, I can't sleep, I'm too scared, I'm too worried, right? There's something outside of my house and it's dark outside. Yeah, I'm going to sleep. No, that's not what you do, right? And here Jesus is asleep. And what's interesting is that the disciples were experiencing one kind of fear. And by the end of this, they're going to, they're going to experience a different kind of fear, a supernatural fear. Verse 26 and 27. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and they were, there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? They, they go over and they wake Jesus up. They say, get up, we're going to die, right? You ever been woken up like that before? <laughs> Good morning, we're going to die. Like, help us. And Mark says, why don't you care? It's like, why are you? And he, but here's the amazing thing. Jesus gets up. He says, we're going to die. And he asks them a question. Why are you afraid? Jesus, Jesus is not unaware of their fear. And Jesus wants us to bring all of our fear to him. But here's the thing, this fear was owning them. And anytime you get to a place of fear in your circumstances, get, know this, because this happens a lot. Jesus will address your heart before he addresses your circumstances. Often Jesus will address your heart condition or what's going on in your mind before he even talks about your conditions and circumstances around you. Jesus, we're going to die. Why are you afraid? Why are you so afraid? In fact, this word afraid is, is the connotations of, of being cowardly or timid. Why are you so cowardly in this moment? Why do you have such little faith? Don't you trust me? He said, you don't care about us, Jesus. We're going to die. And he says, you don't trust me? He says, why are you scared? Why or you have such little faith. 
And here's a question that, I, that I've asked before as, a church, as, as your pastor and what I'm going to ask now and what I'm going to ask in the future because it's, it's, it's really, really important to think about this. And the reality is this. Here's the question. Can you trust the character of God even when you don't see the activity of God? Can you trust the character of God even when you don't see the activity of God? Is there something you go, Jesus, I don't know what's going on. I don't know the end of this. I don't even, I, I can't even see or feel your presence anywhere in any of my situation. And yet, I'm going to trust you. Because you are good. You have good things for me. You're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. And even though it feels like you're distant, I know you're not. Because I can trust your character even when I don't see your activity. And so often we walk away from the faith because we want to see the activity. And maybe, some, maybe Jesus is doing something in your heart. Maybe he's allowing these things to happen so that it can bring about a greater good. Can you trust the character of God even when you don't see the activity of God? He says, where is your faith and why are you scared? And then what happens next is absolutely amazing. And there's not a lot of detail that we have in this description right here, but I have an active imagination. And so I want, I want you to walk with me a little bit and say, I, we're going to see what's true here, and I just wonder some other things. Then he rose, okay? So he's in the back of the boat, in the book of Mark, it says he's laying on a cushion. For whatever reason, I think the cushion's purple. I don't know. Like, he's royal. You'd think it would be, right? So, so he's laying on a purple cushion. Maybe, just a cushion. They said, wake up, we're going to die. And he's like, why are you scared? And then he gets up. And for some reason, I think he walks from the back of the boat to the front of the boat. I don't know if that's what he does, but that's what I see. He stands up and he raises, and he gets to the front of the boat. At the very least, he gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the sea. Okay, this is awesome. Okay, first off, we don't use the word rebuke a lot, right? Unless you do. Anybody frequent in your, in your vocabulary, rebuke? No? Okay, two. Awesome. Um, you'll rebuke me later for what I'm about to say. Um, so, so he rebukes. This means to, to go against, to give correction to. But the, the word rebuke here, um, uh, the definition uh, that, that, that's used for this is to express strong disapproval. <laughs> he disapproves of this storm. And what's even better, there is a command with a warning of a threat. That's what Jesus does to the storm. He threatens it. Like, he gets up there and he says, you better stop or else. Or else what? Do you really want to know? He has strong disapproval and he rebukes the weather. He gives strong disapproval and with a command, with a warning of a threat, you don't want to mess with me right now. Right? He just woke up from a nap. Right? Right? But he rebukes the weather. And there was a great calm. Like, like the, the storm didn't like blow over. It didn't, it didn't dissipate. 
It didn't run its course. It didn't shift directions. It stopped. Like Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the sea, and it's as if the sea says, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll behave. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were in the boat. I didn't know you were in the boat. I'm so sorry. So, so sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to blow too hard. So I'm sorry, sir. Like it rebukes the, he rebukes the weather and the winds and the sea obey their master. And he says, you better stop that. And they're like, I'm sorry. And there was a great calm. Now, what happens after this moment? We know what the disciples say. Notice they don't say it to Jesus. They're talking amongst themselves. Like, and there was a great calm. And I'm guessing a very awkward silence in the boat. Okay? Like, he says, stop it! The weather goes, I'm sorry. Great calm. And if Jesus is in the front of the boat, this is what I picture, he turns around and walks to the back of the boat, and the disciples start parting like the Red Sea, not touching him or talking to him, and he goes back and sits on the cushion. I don't know if that's what happens, that's, but they're in the boat. But no, this isn't a moment where they're challenging Jesus. This isn't a moment where they're like, well, could you explain why that happened, Jesus? There was no moment in this where they were talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven amongst the disciples and who's going to be the best disciple. There was no moment in this moment where they're coming to Jesus going, can we sit at your right hand or your left? Because I think we can handle what you can dish out. There's no moment in this. Nobody talks to Jesus in this moment. There's just a reverential fear. And they talk amongst themselves. And they're like, whoa. Um, what sort of man can do this? Who does this? Who can do this? Who can do this? And they marveled. There was an awe. There was a trembling. Because this man commands the weather and can save them from drowning with a, with a rebuke. That's only something God does. That's the activity of the divine. Nobody can do that. Right? We can prepare for weather patterns, right? We do it all the time. We prepare, but we can't rebuke the storm and make it stop. But here, God in the flesh does it. Growing up in this culture, with the movies that I've seen and the TV shows that I've watched and the places that, you know, it's the things that you, like, there's this picture that we get of Jesus that's, that's often shaped by our culture. And often one of the things that was, that was kind of depicted to me that Jesus was scrawny, and that Jesus was physically frail, and that Jesus was 90 pounds soaking wet. That's, that's the picture that, that was communicated to me when I was growing up, that this is what Jesus was. But you look through the scriptures, you start seeing who he is, and what you see is a God who is very kind, very gentle, 
and very strong. He's got tremendous self-control. He's in this place where he's the majestic, the divine, and yet clothed in human flesh. And yet when you see these moments of his majesty, people tremble. Demons trembled in his presence. They were scared of him. And so when Jesus walks up and he rebukes the storm, there's this fear in the disciples. They are afraid. And there's a trembling. But you know what they're not talking about anymore? The storm. 30 seconds ago, they, were gonna, they thought they were going to die because of the storm. Now they're going, who's in the boat with us? What sort of man is in the boat with us? And having a proper fear, a respect, an awe, a reverence, a fear, a proper fear will drive out all other fears, all lesser fears. And many of us have walked in here today and you've been walking in with fear. You walked in afraid. You're anxious. You didn't sleep well. You've been agonizing over something. Maybe it's a circumstance that you're in. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in. It's really difficult. Maybe, maybe it's a big decision and you don't want to disappoint God, but you got some big things on your plate and you have to make a decision. And so you're, you came in afraid. Maybe, maybe it's a confession. Maybe there's something that you have to tell someone because you have to get it out. You have to, you've been prompted by the Holy Spirit to confess something that you really, really don't want to, and you're afraid. Maybe you're here today and you are afraid of something. And right now, it is owning you. And it is driving your sleep away from you and all your joy. But if you're a follower of Jesus in here, and you've, you've put your trust in Jesus, you've asked him to forgive your sins, you, you've submitted your life to him, if you're there today, if you're a follower of Jesus, which is available to everyone today, it's a matter of putting your trust in him, and if you become a follower of Jesus, Jesus is in the boat with you. Jesus is in your boat, in your circumstances, and in your storms. He's not on the shore going, you're doing it wrong. He's in the boat with you. And you can bring all of your fear and all of your anxiety to him. But know this, often what he's going to do is he's going to address your heart first before he touches your circumstances. And the other thing that he's going to do is he's going to show something. He's going to display his majesty where the storms in your life suddenly start to calm down. They're not that big a deal once you see a big and mighty God. And so I'm going to say this, let God be big in your life. Let God be big. Worship him in majesty and splendor. Know that he's the God of the universe. God is bigger than your storm. God is bigger than your life. God is bigger than your circumstances. Let God be big and let him be big in your, and worship him in his bigness and let him just be big in your life and watch what happens to the other storms in your life. Watch what happens to the other fears in your life when you realize that how Great and holy and awesome and mighty is God. You're like, how, does, how do you let God be big? Read his word. Pray to him. Watch what he does. Write down things in, in record of what, how he answers your prayers. Let other people of the body of Christ encourage you. Sing songs of worship and let God 
Be big. Be reminded of how amazing God is. And when you have a fear and a trembling of the almighty God, the rest of your problems and the rest of your fears start to calm down. Let God be God. Let God be God in your life and let him be big. And fear him and trembling and in his splendor. And watch the other storms of your life be put in perspective and even calmed by the mighty work of our God. Let's pray.